Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. again everyone and welcome back to the front line with joe and joe joe pasillo as always joined by joe resinello and once more dear brothers and sisters let us go in to the breach and we are very pleased and honored today to be joined by dr ralph martin um we have interviewed ralph martin in the past on our uh, our social media but you're joining us on the veritas catholic radio network 1350 on your am dial serving the new york metropolitan area please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And of course, please follow Joe and I on social media, primarily right now, Facebook and YouTube, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And I don't imagine that anybody in our audience does not know who Dr. Ralph Martin is. But having said that, I want to give a bit of an introduction. His book that came out last year was is A Church in Crisis Pathways forward. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Ralph Martin is the president of Renewal Ministries and a director of graduate theology programs in evangelization and a professor of theology at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in the Archdiocese of Detroit. He holds a doctorate in theology from the Angelicum University in Rome. Pope Benedict XVI appointed Martin as a consultant to the Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization. He was also appointed as a paratus for the Synod on the new evangelization, which was held in Rome in 2012. Martin is the author of the best-selling The Fulfillment of All Desire and several other books. He and his wife, Anne, reside in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and are the parents of six and grandparents of 19. In a church in crisis, Pathways Forward, Dr. Martin offers a detailed look at the growing hostility to the Catholic Church and its teaching. And with copious evidence, Martin uncovers the forces working to undermine the body of Christ and offers hope to those looking for clarity. Now, this is what Cardinal Gerhard Mueller, former prefect for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, had to say about the book, uh, quote, in this book, Dr. Martin is squarely facing the serious crisis that is unfolding both in the church and in the culture. He does so in an honest but fair manner and offers solutions that if implemented would do a great deal to restore health and strength to the church and allow it to be the light to the world it is meant to be. An important book that should be widely read. Close quote, Dr. Ralph Martin, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Hey, Joe and Joe, good to be back. <laughs> all right. Joe, I'm gonna hand it over to you. Uh, Ralph, we always begin with the prayer because all good things start with the prayer, and this is a very good thing. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we find to you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother, the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us, amen. St. Dominic. Pray for us. Pray for Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Ralph, as Joe said, it's great to have you back. Uh, one little uh, fun fact about Mr. Martin, and he is a Jersey guy. He went to uh, Bergen Catholic, which is in our neck of the woods. We love it. We love it. Um, so when we talk to him, we're talking to one of our own. There is no question about that. Um, Ralph, in this book, you go into some detail about the polarization that currently exists within the church caused by ambiguous teaching. Now, I want to explore that a little bit, and I'd like you to expand on that idea, because if you ask me, because I've taught the faith for a number of years, um, not at the university level, but at the RCIA level, there's nothing ambiguous about the Catholic faith. I call it painting by numbers. It's, it's all written down. Yeah. What is the issue here? Well, I, I would say, you know, right after Vatican II, there were a lot of theologians and some bishops who felt like 
Vatican II was a good start, but it didn't go far enough. And we need to keep exploring what else we can change to be more relevant to contemporary culture. So that put a lot of kind of question marks into some people's minds. And then John Paul II and Pope Benedict kind of really kind of corrected those false hopes and reaffirmed the Catholic Church in a really significant way. And John Paul II gave us the catechism of the Catholic Church, which honestly, if we, if we didn't have that right now, we'd be in a big heap of more trouble than we are. We've got a really reliable guide to what the church teaches. Unfortunately, there are people raising questions about how to interpret church teaching. For example, the synods on the family in Rome, uh, you know, published a document called the Moros Laetitiae. The Pope published it. And there's a famous footnote there that maybe seems to indicate that people who have gotten married and divorced but haven't gotten an annulment should be able to receive Holy Communion. And, and there's a lot of cardinals and bishops who say, yeah, that's the correct interpretation. Uh, whole bishops' conferences have interpreted that way. And other bishops' conferences said, no, that would be a departure from the Catholic faith, and including Cardinal Muller, who was head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith at the time. And, and then you, now you have whole bishops' conferences contradicting each other in basic issues of Catholic faith, like you have the German bishops' conferences basically saying, we've got to accommodate our, our interpretation of our teaching to the culture because people are leaving and they're, they've lost their confidence in the church. So we have to kind of downplay, particularly our teaching on marriage and sexuality, which is, is such, a, such an important issue for, for everyone. And then you have the Ukraine bishops writing to the German bishop saying, please stop what you're doing. You're undermining our own people's confidence in living a chaste life, you know, stop, you know. And of course, right here in the United States, we have big divisions amongst our bishops. You know, after uh, President Biden got elected, uh, Archbishop Gomez, head of the Catholic Bishops Conference, issued a statement saying, boy, we have big problems now. This new administration is doubling down on abortion. They're doubling down on LGBTQ issues. They're submerging religious liberty and free speech and freedom of conscience to these other issues. And we got big problems. Now, a lot of Catholics said, well, I mean, that's what they said they were going to do. You know, why didn't you kind of raise the alarm before the election? You know, that type of thing. So mm -hmm. but then you had Cardinal Supich from Chicago correcting Archbishop Gomez saying you never should have said that, you know, we should be dialoguing and friends with the new administration. And, and as of this day, you know, just yesterday, uh, you know, Pope Francis received uh, President Biden and Mrs. Biden in, in an audience. And uh, President Biden came out of the audience saying, oh, the Pope told me I'm a good Catholic. I should still keep going to communion, which completely undercuts the efforts of a lot of American bishops to say, wait a second, if you really think abortion is murder, and the Pope clearly says abortion is murder, it's like hiring a hitman. Uh, how can you have somebody who's advocating the increased killing of babies really be a Catholic in good standing? And we just simply have to say that people in that situation are not Catholics in good standing. They shouldn't present themselves for communion. But it look, you know, President Biden isn't isn't noted for always getting his story straight or always telling the truth. So we don't know whether the Pope really said that to him or not. But he basically he's put the Pope in a box. You know, the Vatican doesn't like to publicly contradict heads of state. So he emerged claiming that that's what happened. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. We'll probably never know. But what it does is completely undermine the efforts of those bishops and bishops' conferences saying, wait a second, our faith is being undermined. Do we believe what we say about abortion or not? You know, so it's, you know, we have very serious, very serious divisions in this country, very serious divisions in Rome, very serious divisions between bishops' conferences. You're listening to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rasinello being joined by Dr. Ralph Martin on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Go ahead, Joe. No, I want to just say this, Ralph. I, I, I sincerely appreciate your clarity um, because, I mean, to be honest with you, you are a name. Um, and when, when, when people speak that clear, you can get in trouble. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, the thing, the thing is too, Joe, I was, I, I was thinking in my mind. Okay. Because see Dr. Ralph Martin, if you know, anybody out there who, who, who doesn't know about Dr. Ralph Martin, he's been doing this for, for, for 25, 30 years or longer. Dr. Martin, you correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. He's the most fair guy there is. 
very level-headed, very sane and sober in his analysis of these problems. If he's saying there's a problem, people ought to listen. And I'm not just blowing smoke, Dr. Martin. It's true, okay? So when somebody like, I've always thought you, you're not a polarizing figure, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're saying these things, I think people should wait. See, if Joe and I say something, I don't know. Maybe you want to. Maybe you want to. You know, take that with a little grain of salt. Okay, um, but if you're saying, let's say, for an example, we we respect, of course, our bishops in America, Archbishop Gomez. Okay, we have Cardinal Dolan here. Recently came out, I believe it was an article in the Wall Street Journal. He, he's he's changed his tune a bit. Why? Well, Your Eminence, you should have seen this coming, especially given the treatment that Cardinal Dolan got from Andrew Cuomo. Okay. Um, and, and the way he got a knife stuck in his back by Andrew Cuomo. Uh, you guys got to learn your lesson a little bit. You got to be a little bit more preemptive rather than reactionary once to, once it happens. Please comment on that, uh, Ralph, if you would. Yeah, well, I think we're going through a very difficult uh, change right now in the culture and the church. And for many, many years, American Catholics have wanted to be, have wanted to be accepted by America, you know, they came out as despised Irish immigrants or Italian immigrants, and they just kind of wanted to uh, be accepted, to be successful, to be considered loyal American citizens. So we, we, we've been used for a while of kind of thinking that there's a harmony between being a Catholic and being an American. And uh, certainly there can be, and there is in many ways, but right now, the way our country and our culture is going, there's a gap opening up between the church and the culture, and it's very, very hard for people to adjust to that. Uh, you know, Cardinal Dolan probably doesn't want to let go of his place at the table, so to speak, or he, he probably doesn't want to let go of kind of being ready to hobnob with politicians like he regularly does, you know, things like that. So it's a very, very hard separation that's going on. I have a chapter in the book called We Need to Stop Straddling the Issue, and honestly, we have to make a choice we've never had to make before. Are we going to follow Jesus when he contradicts the culture, or are we going to uh, fudge the teaching of Jesus and try to make a harmony that isn't there anymore? And that's true in so many areas, but particularly in the area of marriage and sexuality, uh, our culture is basically demanding us that we burn incense to Caesar. The, the culture is demanding that we bow down to the new LGBTQ agenda, including abortion. We can't. And we have to not be shy of saying, look, God has created us male and female. That's it. There's two genders. And people who are gender confused certainly need help. They need healing. They need counseling. But you can't pretend that you're a woman if you're a man and so on and so forth. And the whole purpose of sexuality is to bring together a man and woman in holy marriage open to life. And any other use of sexuality outside of that is gravely offensive to the Lord and gravely damaging to people. It, it, it messes you up. It messes any person that you're engaged in a sexual relationship with. And so we just have to not pretend that that's not the truth, you know? And if we pretend it's not the truth, we're actually doing people a terrible disservice. We're, we're blessing them on their way to hell. I, I would agree. I mean, Ralph, let me just first say this. Everything you say, I agree with. I am a very, to be honest with you, black and white guy because it's written down. I'm a compliance officer, just so you know, by trade. I mean, I enforce the law. I am a believer in when it's written down, you do it. My father always told me that as a young man, you listen to the Pope, you listen to the Pope. Mm -hmm. This is the thing though. And I want to give some credit potential and I, I, like, you know, leeway here. And I'm interested in your comment. Do you think it's just a matter of applying like, like almost like this is my approach whereby I don't beat you over the head with the truth, hoping that gently you'll come to it on your own? Or do you think it's weaponized ambiguity? Do you think it's malicious? I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I like to think, this is me, it's not weaponized. I think it's a, a method that they believe people will come to the truth on their own. I disagree with that, though. I'm just going to be honest with you. This is me. I'm going on record. I believe in you have to tell people lovingly, yeah. but you got to tell them, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Maybe the weaponized ambiguity is a little much to say, but do you think it's just their way of hoping that they arrive at, you know, from A to B, but just going around it a little bit? I, I probably, I think probably different people 
are motivated in different ways. I think some people are still motivated by the hope of Vatican II that if we downplay the negative things and just accentuate the positive and affirm everything we can in modern culture and show them we're not against science, we're not against democracy, we're not against women's rights and things like that, that people will come to the church and see it as a good place. But I, I think that tr- that strategy has been tried for 50 years now and it's, it's just not working. I agree. Every year, more and more people are leaving and what they're, what they, <clears throat> what they experience the church is doing is blessing them in their secular views and their secular values. What they hear mainly coming from the Vatican is, oh yeah, we, we, we're concerned about climate change too. Or, oh yeah, yeah, we're concerned about immigration too. And oh man, COVID is the worst thing, you know, or, you know, you know, one day Pope Francis said, you know, youth unemployment is the worst thing in the world. It's not, sin is the worst thing in the world. Uh, rebellion mm-hmm. against God is the worst thing in the world. Uh, you know, it, it isn't the church's primary mission isn't to save the Amazon, it's to save souls. It's to proclaim to the whole world that Jesus Christ has been sent by God as mercy and that we need to respond to him with faith and repentance and baptism. And so, unfortunately, there's just a lot of kind of, so that's one thing. One is that the strategy, I think, is flawed. It needs to change. It's not working. But I think there's probably some people uh, who are, you might say, weaponized ambiguity. They really want to move the church off its clear teachings about marriage and sexuality and other things. And we, we can't we can't judge people's motivations. Only God can judge them. You can look at the objective things that are happening. And it looks like probably to some people that are actually working to change things. There's other people saying, well, let's be as nice as we can. But sometimes when they're being as nice as they can, they're not being nice at all. They're misleading people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're misleading people about what can bring them to happiness in this life and what can bring them to eternal life. And to be silent about the challenging parts of the gospel is to make up a different religion. You know, we, we got to really be, have the courage to face the real Jesus. The real Jesus says a lot of things that are shocking. You know, Peter Crave wrote a book called Jesus Shock. And if, if, you, if you're not opening yourself up to the real significant challenge that God is giving to all of us to kind of put him first in our life and have him as Lord of everything in our life and deny ourselves every day and pick up our cross and follow him, even if it affects family relationships. And a lot of people are really in a tough place these days where they have sons or daughters or relatives who are really living what scripture calls serious sin and and their their relatives say to them well if you love me you you kind of completely unconditionally love me and what they mean by that is that you'd approve of what i'm doing and you'd encourage me in it and you'd accept it and say it's good our culture wants us not only to stop saying that these things are not good they want us to stop thinking it they they really want to uh, they're asking for total submission. And Jesus said, I haven't come to bring peace, but I've come to bring a sword. And there's going to be division in families over me. There's going to be divisions between sons and fathers, between daughters and mothers, between daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws over me. And, and Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my father in heaven. He's talking about persecution. He's not kind of, he's saying not caving under persecution. And persecution is coming. It's here already. Every day, people are being fired because they're not going along with the latest government mandate. People are being canceled. People are being, you know, thrown out of their schools from teaching because they're not going along with this fantasy of of gender theory. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you know, the persecution is here, but in many, in many families, it's here in a form of emotional manipulation. We're being emotionally manipulated to agree that what the Lord says is is gravely wrong is not gravely wrong. And if we agree with that, we're we're denying Christ in some significant kind of way. So we have to prepare our people to stand firm in the midst of the existing and coming persecution and develop the relationship with the Lord so that when push comes to shove, they're going to choose for Jesus rather than the world. That's that see, that's the clarity. That's the clarity that we need. And if you're just joining us, we're with Dr. Ralph Martin at the front line with Joe and Joe, <clears throat> Joe Pasillo and Joe Rosinello on the Veritas Catholic Network. Dr. Martin, tell me this. If my analysis is wrong, please correct me, okay? But the way I look at it is this. 
Those in the church, in the Catholic Church, again, Benedict said the church is going to get smaller. It'll be more pure, It'll be, but it'll be smaller. We'll lose our big cathedrals. We'll lose the, the structures that were built over time. It doesn't really have to get to that if the church understood that if they just look at a, a, a superficial look at history, just go back to the history of Europe, just go back to 1517 with Martin Luther and his revolt. It's been a downhill slide ever since. Mm-hmm. The subjectification of of, the, of Christianity, rather than have what what you both have alluded to, okay, which is the objective, uh, you know, the, the the you know objective truth, objective moral, you know, right and wrong, okay, this is good, this is evil, and basically the church writes it down. When you water that down, we don't have to be brain surgeons to see the result. Europe Europe is not subjectively Christian anymore. Europe is atheist. That's what the, subje- the, the, the subjectification of Christianity is all about. Europe is essentially atheist or, or Christianity that's so watered down, you can't, it doesn't deserve the name Christianity. Why is the church so, in your opinion, again, correct me if I'm wrong in that analysis, but why is the church hell-bent to not look at history and to seemingly, at least, go down that same path? Yeah. Well, Jesus said, you know, the light came into the world, but some people love the darkness more than the light and refuse to come to the light. And quite honestly, every major Protestant church has tried the approach of accommodating to the world, you know, starting in 1929 with the Anglican church. And then every church since then is saying, well, you know, we got to be more friendly to the culture. So you go, you go down State Street in Ann Arbor where, you know, First Methodist is and major First Baptist is, and they've got their LGBTQ flags out there, but their numbers are getting less every year, you know? And, and it's sort of like uh, accommodating to the culture. Uh, it, it's pathetic. And, and, and the results are absolutely clear, but there's people who don't, don't want to go through the pain of Bingo. repentance. You hit it they right don't on the head. The pain of repentance. They don't want to really admit that they would have to change things in their own life. They'd have to change the way they think about things. They might get thrown out of the country club. You know, some of their cool friends might not think they're so cool anymore. I mean, you know, there's a price to be paid for being a faithful Christian today. And a lot of people don't want to pay the price either because they don't want to give up things that they're attached to or they don't want to give up their friendship with the world. But, you know, in the epistle of James, it says he was a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So unfortunately we've got, we've got big problems in the church. I, I wanted to say your clarity about. is so refreshing, honestly. And I applaud you for it because again, um, you are a name and you have something to lose. And that is refreshing. Just, you know, it comes down to this. I learned this many years ago. I am the vine and you are the branch. If you stay grafted to me, you will bear fruit. All religious orders that follow that mantra succeed. And it comes down to having faith in God. God's Mm -hmm. way works and mine doesn't. I learned that at 22 years old, Ralph. I'll be honest That's with great. you. That's great. 22. My way doesn't work. Can I yeah. give an example of one of the things we, we were just talking about at the front line with Joe and Joe, with Dr. Ralph Martin joining us? Um, I, I, it strikes me, Dr. Martin, let's take, a, <clears throat> excuse me, let's take abortion for an example, okay? Charles Krauthammer and Glenn Beck, all right? Krauthammer was a Jew. Glenn Beck was born Catholic, okay, and then, and then converted to Mormonism. I pray for him by name. Every time I pray the rosary, that he comes back to the church. I think he's yeah, a good, I think he's a good man. Okay, yeah, I really yeah. do believe that yeah. he's a good man. I, I they both said straight up. Now you want to talk about an example? See, we like to give examples. Like Dr. Martin, you give solutions. We, Joe, and I try to come up with solutions. But we want to give concrete examples. We're not just ranting over here. Had we accommodated the culture on abortion, and I bring up Crowdhammer and Glenn Beck, both of whom admitted abortion wouldn't even be an issue if it wasn't for the Roman Catholic Church. It yeah. wouldn't even be an issue. It'd be codified in federal law, and it would be it would be it, it would ne- the, the fight would have gone away if it wasn't for the Roman Catholic Church. What are we seeing now? Because of good Catholics and the Church behind us stepping up. Okay, you have a, you. I believe you're starting to have a shift on abortion, particularly on the state on the state level. We're seeing that with Mississippi and Texas and others. Please comment on. There's an example of the need to stand firm in church teaching. Yeah, and that's why the whole Biden thing is so significant. It looks like 
a lot of bishops and maybe the Pope uh, don't really believe their own teaching. It's, it's hard to say that, but if you really do believe abortion is murder, how can you say that Catholics who promote abortion think that it should be more widely available, that more babies should be killed, that we should force third world countries to accept abortion in order to get foreign aid? How can you say that's not a wicked, evil action? How can you say that's not totally incompatible with being a Catholic? And so right now, people in the pro-life movement are probably like somewhat in a state of shock. Like, wow, what's what's going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, do we believe that abortion is murder or don't we? If we do, how can we ever say that anybody who's promoting it uh, is a Catholic in good standing? And I say the cowardness, the failure to discipline, the fear of what the world will say. Also, there's another fear right now. It's the fear that half the people that come to church on Sunday don't agree with the church's teaching because we've been so quiet on this for the last 30 or 40 years. You're being kind (laughs) about half. So, you know, we've got got a big problem here. And and now this, this, this comes to a point where people say, aren't you discouraged because of all the things that you see that really aren't adding up that are causing confusion and that are undermining people's confidence in the faith. And I say, I'm not discouraged because I know that Jesus is Lord and that there's nothing that's happening that isn't happening under the providence of God. That means that the Lord is permitting people to choose for the darkness. The Lord is permitting people to be unfaithful. The Lord is permitting people to sow confusion in the church and he's got a plan to bring good out of it. One good out of it, I suspect, is that people are going to have to decide more clearly who they're going to follow, who they trust, and whether they believe the sacred scriptures and tradition and catechism of the Catholic Church or not, despite what some leaders might be saying. Yeah. Another thing that may come out of it is that people are going to declare where their loyalties are, and, and judgment will come. Yeah. Austin Roos, we had him on the show a while ago. He wrote an article. He said, this is no, there is no greater time to be a Catholic. Mm-hmm. And he those are the exact words. No greater time to be a Catholic. If if Catholics are born for battle, <laughs> this what, what, what? I mean, I don't I don't know a better time in all of human history. This battle is now right in your face. When they right. say they're going, coming after your children, okay. Right. I don't know what more you need to see to know. No, right. listen, there have been battles, right. some military, some 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 cultural battles in the history of the church. Okay, yeah. this is the battle. Our Lady said that. Yeah. You know, the final battle is going to be between uh, over family, um, and 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 all of it. I mean, in the handwriting again, clarity. The handwriting's on the yeah. wall. You got a b- blind man if you don't see this. Yeah, we got to wake people up. We got to wake people up and say, look, you got to get with Jesus. You're not going to be able to survive as a Catholic on a lukewarm Catholicism. You got to really get into a a committed relationship with Him and start growing in your faith and start growing in holiness and really get connected to the vine in a very solid, deep way. Joe, I'm going to just, I'm just going to, because we're coming up at the end of the segment. I want to do something very practical here. We have about a minute and a half. Dr. Martin, please follow up on that. Give our, there are many people out there. I remember when I was coming back to the church. Well, how do I develop this relationship with Jesus on a practical daily basis? Give some people in over the next couple of minutes, maybe some practical things they could be doing. Maybe some things that are obvious, but maybe they don't know it and need to hear it. What could people be doing to begin moving closer to Christ? People have to have a daily prayer time. They have to spend every day paying attention to the Lord. Uh, There's tremendous helps that can help us do that these days. That little monthly booklet called Magnificat, where it has like a morning prayer. It has the daily readings from the mass and meditations and all that kind of stuff. That really is helping hundreds of thousands of Catholics to establish a daily prayer time. And it helps them to kind of meditate on the word and things like that. So I would say get Magnificat. Magnificat.com, I think, is where you can get it. And start having a daily time where you open up your Magnificat, you say the morning prayers, and you you kind of do the intercessions, and and you just kind of meditate on the Word of God, and just tell the Lord you want to know Him more. Tell the Lord you want to love Him more, because we can't on our own know or love the Lord without His help. So we got to say, Lord, help me love you more. Help me know you more. I, I wonder if we could also tell people where to get a copy of the book we've been talking about. Sure. Because oh, yes, these, please, right now. All these, all these things we've been talking about, we could go into greater depth. The book's called The Church in Crises, Pathways Forward. 
and you can get it anywhere that you get books. You can get it at, at our website, renewalministries.net. You can get it on Amazon. But uh, there's a lot in the book that goes into some real clarity about a lot of these things in more depth than we can do. In, in All right. Yes. Please, everybody, go out and buy the book, A Church in Crisis, Pathways Forward. Dr. Ralph Martin's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. This is a great conversation. Dr. Martin offers so, so much great information for all us Catholics and all people of goodwill out there um, and really being clear about these things. So you're at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're going to take a short break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? All five? It starts every Sunday at 5 p.m. with The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank. This is your chance to hear Bishop Frank Caggiano talk about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Then, at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. And man, are we in the breach. We're talking about a church in crisis, Pathways Forward. That's the book. The author is Dr. Ralph Martin. Most of you out there know who he is. He's got a lot to say, and he states it very clearly. Uh, you're on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. So let's let's keep talking. Let's clear a few things up. With that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Restinello. On, on the other segment, we talked about some problems, and we all know the problems. And frankly, it's easy to see problems. Uh, I want to focus on solutions. And you talked about that right at the end of the first segment. You talked about reading scripture every day. Um, I agree with that. Jesse Romero, we interviewed him a while ago, and he has something, uh, a method that he uses. He calls it the five stones of David. And one of them is read scripture every day. You talked about that with the Magnificat. I do that every morning over That's coffee. Yeah. Um, other things you could do, pray the rosary with your family, takes 20 minutes. Go to confession once a month. Receive the Eucharist every week with your family. If you could do it every day, wonderful. Not everyone can. Obviously, if you're going to confession, you're in a state of grace. Fast. How about we do that? We fast yeah. on Friday. And if we want to go old school, <clears throat> we fast on Wednesday too. You see, mm -hmm. our American culture, a lot of us, who wants to get into uh, jujitsu? Who wants to go to the gym every day? We're so concerned with looking sleek and everything else. You got to armor up. You see, you said something I want to touch upon. Man left on his own will always veer away. I'm paraphrasing it, but we, we can't do it without God. It doesn't matter. Talk yeah. about that. Like, that's just my method. What I try to do, I prescribe, I give Jesse all the credit. But talk about the armoring up so we could build this culture back up to what it was. Well, armoring up is really important. I have a whole chapter called Powers, Principalities, and Organizations. We're, we're in a spiritual battle. Paul says this is not just against flesh and blood. This is not just about political parties. This is not just about Planned Parenthood. This is about powers and principalities, demonic forces that are working through uh, political parties, that are working through organizations, but it's a spiritual power. In fact, uh, Pope Benedict, after he resigned as Pope, he uh, he gave an interview, and what he said was pretty shocking. I'd actually like to just read it here because it brings sure. in the whole spiritual warfare element. He says, 100 years ago, everybody would have considered it to be absurd to speak of a homosexual marriage. Today, one is being excommunicated by society if one opposes it. The same applies to abortion and to the creation of human beings in the laboratory. So page 253. Modern society is in the middle of formulating an anti-Christian creed. And if one opposes it, one is being punished by society with excommunication. Actually, every day, 
unfortunately, this is happening. The fear of the spiritual power of the Antichrist is then only more than natural, and it really needs the help of prayers on the part of an entire diocese of the universal church in order to resist it. So it's pretty amazing that Pope Benedict would introduce the Antichrist, saying that what's going on here, this anti-Christian creed that's developing, this desire to remove from society those who oppose the new anti-Christian creed, the power of the Antichrist is behind it. And he says, it's natural to be afraid when you see what you're up against. I actually was doing a talk yesterday by Zoom for people in Lithuania. And, and the way they described it is that this whole woke culture from the West is coming like a bulldozer. It's just by force, by bullying, intimidating people, moving people out of the way. And we need to resist. And so that's exactly what Pope Benedict says. We need to resist by prayer, but we also need to resist with the whole spiritual armor that Paul talks about in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. I don't know if you want to talk about that or not, but it's very practical. It talks Please. about... Please, no, no, you're, you're speaking our language, Dr. Ralph Martin at the front line with Joe and Joe. Please continue. He says, we got to put on the spiritual armor. And I'm really concerned because a lot of Catholics don't have this spiritual armor on. So they're sitting ducks for the deception of the Antichrist. You know, so, you know, the helmet of salvation. We need to know that Jesus Christ is the Savior. We need to have really accepted his sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. We need to really have come into relationship with them. And then the breastplate of righteousness or holiness, we need to recognize that holiness is not an optional extra. It's required. Hebrews chapter 12 says, strive for that holiness without which nobody will be able to see the Lord. So we should just not be content with just being where we are in our relationship with the Lord, but we should be seeking to grow in it. And a lot, so many saints saying, if you're not moving forward, if you're not growing in a relationship with the Lord, you're in real danger of going backwards. So we can't afford to go backwards today and slide into lukewarmness because we'll become sitting ducks to be picked off by the enemy. Then he talks about the shield of faith, which extinguishes the fiery darts of the evil one. Now, this is super important because all day long, the devil's firing fiery darts. He, he depends on our disordered desires, the effect of original sin, all, all the inclinations we have that are opposed to the Lord. And, and he's going to try to get us to act on those and to indulge those. And then all the influence that's coming from the world saying, oh, this is old fashioned. The church is too hung up on these things. You got to, the church has got to change with the times, you know, you know, you got to be on the cutting edge of history. You got to be on the right side of history. Well, if people are on the right side of history these days, they're going to go over a cliff, but you're going to go over the cliff. You're going to be deceived unless you have the shield of faith. So, so what's the shield of faith? It's first of all, faith in who Jesus is, not just an intellectual sense, Jesus is the Lord, but I'm surrendering myself to this person because he's God. And he's been sent by the Father to bring me back to paradise. And the only way I'm going to end up in heaven rather than hell is by taking a hold of Jesus, listening to him and obeying him. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 says, Jesus became the source of salvation for those who obey him. So, you can't believe without, you can't have a real faith without obeying. Where Jesus says, if you love me, do what I'm asking you to do. You know, like we, we got to get into that kind of relationship where we want to know what Jesus is telling us and obey it. And the second dimension of the shield of faith, and I'll stop after this, is that we need to know objectively what Jesus says, or we won't really know Jesus. The only way we can know Jesus is to pay attention to what's revealed to us in sacred scripture about what Jesus did and what he said. And that's why recovering our confidence in sacred scripture, chapter two, it says, is there a solid place to stand? We, we need to begin by recovering our confidence in sacred scripture, that this is a reliable transmission inspired by the Holy Spirit that puts us in touch with the real Jesus and what the real Jesus said. And in Vatican II, in Constitution on Sacred Revelation, section 11, it says, Everything asserted by the sacred writers should be considered to be asserted by the Holy Spirit and to teach firmly, faithfully, and without error those truths that God wished to consign to the sacred writings for the sake of our salvation. So we need to recover our confidence in the reliability, the inspiration, the inerrancy 
of sacred scripture because our salvation depends on it. So the shield of faith is the objective, the positive faith, the objective witness to the teaching of Jesus and scripture and tradition and the person of Jesus himself. And if we don't have the shield of faith, those fiery darts of the evil one is just going to move us away from him for sure, move us into the arms of a corrupt culture, move us into addiction and, and, and slavery to our disordered desires. And the book is A Church in Crisis, Pathways Forward. The author is Dr. Ralph Martin, and you're joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Absolutely, Dr. Martin. And, and that's why we wanted to have you on the show, because these are the things that need to be said. You have, We're all struggling. We try to say it on the show all the time. No judgment coming from this end, okay? We're all struggling, okay? Mm-hmm. The difference is to recognize that I know what my struggles are. I ask Christ to help me with those struggles. I right. stay close to the sacraments, and I have hope that he will forgive me and, and faith that he's forgiven me of my sins. That's not the issue. It's like you said. That's flesh and blood problems. But the powers and principalities in high places, the ones who are seeking to corrupt our souls, that's what we have to be on guard for because yeah. their, their fiery darts are those lies that they tell right. you. You don't need repentance. That's just right. that right. medieval superstitious Catholic church telling you right. you need right. repentance. That's the type of nonsense we have to safeguard people from. Right, right. Well, I, I think it comes down to, Ralph, humility. I mean, we live mm-hmm. in a very wealthy country. I mean, all of us here, we've been educated, we've been blessed. We start to think, and this is part of Americanism, that, you know, we're independent. We're not independent of anything. We could die in a minute. God controls Mm -hmm. everything. Yet most of the church globally is poor. And they're more, I think, in tune with that relationship that I need God. As far as what we can do, and I want to, you talked about moving forward and growing. I think a key thing that has been lost in the American church is confession. When Mm -hmm. I was a little boy, I'm 51 years old, um, there was confession before every mass. I can remember the boxes at my old parish. Mm -hmm. There's no more confession. Like Mm -hmm. most parishes have it twice a year, Advent, Lent, mm -hmm. that I have, you know, like, or they have it uh, half an hour on Saturday and by appointment. Mm-hmm. I think talk about the need for that because when we confess, we grow in virtue. God mm-hmm. gives us grace to overcome ourselves, and we grow. I actually think that's a solution, and it's an easy one, if you ask me, that priests yeah. could implement. Talk about the need for it. Yeah, well, like you say, it takes humility because confession makes us think about, hey, have I done anything wrong? Uh, have I treated people properly? Uh, have I drank too much? Have I given into sexual temptation? Whatever. It makes you kind of take a look at your life and, and actually look in detail about where you are and whether you need the Lord's help, you know, in a, in a particular area in your life, whether you offended him or uh, hurt somebody else, uh, you know, your wife, your children, whatever. And, and, and just it, it makes you take a look at where you are which opens us up then to get healing in that area and to get grace from God in that area. So yes, it's very important to, uh, it's easy to be blind to our own faults and sins and confession makes us kind of look and, and it's really helpful. Yeah. It's really helpful. But you talked about blind and you talked about St. Paul. I think that's a lot of the culture. Paul obviously, you know, literally was blind for three days, but I think a lot of people, Catholics, many of them are very smart. They have scales in front of their eyes. And I think that's the opening is to confess because then the scales will fall from your eyes and you will see you see, I mean, you know, people are like, what's this guy talking about? Joe Resinello. I'm telling you, this is the truth. Like people just don't see clearly. And I yeah. think that's the beginning. You know what? I got a woodpecker pecking on my wall here. I'm just going to chase it away. I'll be right back. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that is a first on Joe and Joe. I will tell you that. Get away, you woodpecker. Get away. <laughs> That is that 
that could that Joe, if we have a blooper reel in the future, that one's making yeah. the blooper reel. <laughs> I you're, love at it. Front, you're at the front line with Joe and Joe. Woodpeckers are picking, picking I, I know holes. we're doing something good because the devil is getting getting involved. <laughs> I read I read recently, I, I try to pray the rosary every day. I read recently, I didn't know. I think Padre Pio said the devil told him if people understood how much it hurts me when people for every every Ave Maria hurts me. And whether or not that's true, every time I pray the Hail Mary, I say to myself, take that. In my heart, like take mm-hmm. that, get away yeah. from me. Um, let's um, again. We're talking about a church in crisis. Okay, pathways forward. That's the book. You could buy it on Renewal Ministries. You could buy it on Amazon. Uh, we recommend uh, Dr. Martin is 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 out there. He's in the fight. He's he's fighting the spiritual battle. And his his books that he's written are the ways. One of the ways in with that he's doing it. Um, so a church in crisis, pathways forward. But let's let's talk about this without getting too much into the weeds. Okay, none. Of, I mean, Joe and I, we're not we're not theologians. Okay, talk about how doctrine cannot evolve. The church has clear teachings. Okay, or, or when I say evolve, let me let me rephrase that. Doctrine cannot abruptly change. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. Newman and you could get into it. Talked about how doctrine can develop. Okay. However, doctrine cannot change. I know the atheists out there who hate the church, they're waiting for the church to change a doctrine so they could say, aha, you see, doctrine can we know that that can't happen. Please address that because I think that confuses a lot of people. Um, so I'd love to clarify that. Yes. Um, the principles about development of doctrine say that you can find a new way of expressing it. You can see new insights into it. You can see new applications of it but there can't be any fundamental change in the core of what's being asserted. That can never change. So for example, one of the areas where there's been some clarification of doctrine is outside of the church, there's no salvation. So that's been a a theological principle, you know, Jesus being the only way to the father, the absolute uniqueness of Jesus. But then the question comes up, well, what about people who live before Christ? Or what about people who have never had a chance to hear the gospel? So, the church over the centuries has been reflecting on that question and it's come up with an understanding of how it's true that Jesus is the only way to the Father. It's true that outside of the church is no salvation, but that sometimes in certain situations, people can come in contact with the grace of Christ and an implicit desire to do his will and be part of the church uh, without ever hearing the gospel. But it's very difficult. The conditions are rather strict. And quite honestly, it's very hard to be saved without the explicit knowledge of Jesus and explicit membership in the church and the explicit help of the sacraments. So I could go into that in more detail. I've written a whole book on it called Will Many Be Saved? What Vatican II actually teaches and its implications for new evangelization. I talk about it in a simple, brief way in the book here because one of the things that's happening in the church is this is tremendous presumption in God's mercy. They say, well, it's possible for people to be saved without hearing the gospel. I guess everybody will be saved then. Not true. Not true. Right. Uh, the, the conditions that the church has discerned is that people have to be inculpably ignorant of the gospel. It's not their fault that they haven't heard the gospel. And nevertheless, they have to be sincerely seeking him because God has revealed himself through the creation. He's, you can know the creator by just looking at the creation. And then the second condition is you need to be sincerely seeking to know him. And the third condition is you need to be living according to the light of conscience that God has given to every person's conscience assisted by grace. But then it goes on to say, and this is section 16 from the Constitution of the Church, however, very often human beings deceived by the evil one exchange the truth of God for a lie, worship the creature rather than the creator, or give in to ultimate despair. Therefore, it's urgent that we preach the gospel, because even though it's theoretically possible for people to be saved without knowing Christ explicitly. It's difficult. And lots of people aren't inculpably ignorant. Lots of people aren't seeking God. Lots of people aren't living according to the light of their conscience assisted by grace. So those people desperately need to know Jesus Christ and respond to him with repentance and faith and become part of the church. You hit it perfectly. I, I, I'm glad you touched on that um, because it's important. I think what people have to realize, and this is something I think Francis has articulated very well, is the church is not for perfect people. It's sinners. And we go there because of the sacraments. I look at the sacraments as medicine, and I'm sick because I am. 
and mm -hmm. I need the sacraments. The world is not convinced of that. For 2,000 years, the world has not been convinced that it's the sacraments that help us. That's why they call the, uh, the Eucharist viaticum, food for the journey. And we can't do it without the church because we are who we are, to use Kung Fu Panda. It's because I'm me. I need yeah. God, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what I think people are missing, Ralph. They don't connect yeah. to that need for the medicine. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'd like to just underline that in something that Joe Pasillo said earlier about, uh, you know, you don't have to be perfect to be a Christian. You know, you don't have to be perfect to come to Christ. In fact, the whole point of coming to Christ is because we're imperfect and we need him. So I like to use the phrase, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm a Christian under construction. And it's so much better to be under construction than to be under destruction. And if you're not linked to Christ, you're under destruction. You're going to deteriorate. You're going to be wrecked by the culture. You're going to be wrecked by the lies of the demons. You're going to be wrecked by your own sin. And so how good it is to be a Christian under construction, you know, and, and what a what a blessing it is to be a Christian under construction. You see, yeah, what, it's, it's, I'm it's, so pleased, John. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, years ago in the 70s, you know, you had the, the $6 million man. He's being rebuilt, you know, like by, mm -hmm. by the doctors. We're being rebuilt by Christ, but we're not. But but our value is not $6 million. Our value is infinite in the yeah. eyes of the one who created us. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing. I want to, I try to emphasize Dr. Ralph Martin, who's joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe in just conversation. People know I'm Catholic, okay? Um, people know my 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 religious views, my my cultural views, my political views. I don't shy away from it. Obviously, at work, in the workplace, you got to be a little careful, but the people I speak to are sane. They're not looking to dox you or rat you out to human resources, okay? Um, those seeds, those seeds that we plant in conversation with people are so important that people come up to me and ask me um, about this, that, or the other thing, particularly about a lot of the things that I went through that the good Lord has taken away from me. Okay. Um, but the under construction part is what I want to focus on is that, yeah, you're not done till you're dead. The construction's not, the, the, the construction doesn't end all right, at some point in your life. And then right. all of a sudden, no, it, it keeps going until, until you're dead. All right? right. And then, and then you got enough construction and maybe need a little purification. All right. Yeah. And, and, and then, and then you're going to heaven, but I would recommend to anybody don't wait for all the lights to be green. It's an old saying, but it's true. Don't wait for all the lights to be green before coming back into the church. Even the church said, I, I said this to a priest one time. He said, Joe, the, the church does not overwhelm anybody. We understand where people are. And when they come to the church, we're here for them. Okay. We're going to help them right along the way to get to grow in holiness. He goes, don't beat yourself up. Don't think you're unique. Everybody who comes back to the church is going through the same thing. And I want to encourage people. And I love your comments on it, Dr. Martin. I want to encourage people to say, wherever you are, if you're thinking about coming into the church and waiting for the lights to be green, don't, it's not going to work that way. Get in there, get into yeah. the church, start talking to the priests. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people, say, well, you know, the church has this clergy sex abuse scandals or these financial scandals or they're cowards about this or whatever. And, and that, that all is true. You know, that all is true. But the fact is, is that we shouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, Jesus Christ is the treasure of the Catholic church. And, and yes, there's some dirty bathwater there. Let's, let's clean up the dirty bathwater, but let's not throw out the baby. You know, Jesus is the one who saves us. Jesus is the treasure of the Catholic church, the fullness of revelation about him, the fullness of contact with him exists in the Catholic church in a unique way. And so come on in. Uh, Father Groeschel used to say, uh, come on into the Catholic church. The water's terrible. <laughs> nice. <laughs> come on in. I wish me a uh, Joe, I'm going to hand it over to you, but just one comment real quick is I wish people would understand, please look at history. You don't have to be in a story and you don't have to comb through thousands and thousands of historical texts. Look at the history of the church and you'll understand corruption has been there from Judas onward. Okay. This is yeah. not new in the Catholic church. The church has always dealt with corrupt people. If you're a Bible believing Christian, okay. And you're worried about the corruption in the church. Well, Jude talks about the corruptors. Peter talks about the corruptors. Paul talks about the corruptors in scripture. They've always been there. The Lord leaves them there for whatever reason. Okay. But they've always been, the corruption is not a reason to leave the church. It's not, you have to fight the corruption, but it's not a reason to leave the church. Right. No, absolutely. And, um, I was talking to a woman once who I, I was just 
asking her what her religious background was. And she said, well, I, I used to be a Lutheran, but there's so much hypocrisy in the church. I just left all that. I said, well, just because there's hypocrisy in the church doesn't mean that you have to be a hypocrite. <laughs> you, you can be a sincere follower of Jesus, even though other people are hypocrites. And that's what you should really be doing. Mm. So, you know, it's, you can't use other people's faults as an excuse for us. I, I I agree. That's that that I yes I I think I, I think it's exactly right, and we can go on with that for for hours. But with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Resinello. I think another because we're talking solutions, way to wake up the culture is I think, and I believe this at the, at the core of my being. Benedict XVI said that this, and I it's really sunk in 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 my you know mind is only saints change the world, only saints change the world and we have to strive to be holy we have to be radical we cannot go along you see too many catholics just go along you can't like tell whether they're catholic or whether they're not based upon how they live people have to see our joy but they have to see a radical change in how we live in the world like you have six kids ralph that's radical yeah. You know, yeah, I, I yeah, have these, five. These, Joe's yeah, fostering a any, child. Yeah, this is radical. Any, yeah, yeah. These days having any children is radical. You know? We have to be different. These days getting married is radical. Yes. But in terms <laughs> of like, I learned that, I'll be honest, through the missionaries of charity. I was their driver for seven years. I learned mm -hmm. a lot from those ladies. Mm -hmm. They're radical. We have to be like that. We have to, people have to, because I'll tell you this, I've watched them very closely. They stop traffic, literally, literally, they stop traffic. People are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. We have to be like that. That is the catalyst. Talk about let me that. Do, let me, do, and then I want you to also, Ralph, if you don't mind, comment on that. But also what are some, uh, fighting against the, the synthesis of all heresies, which is modernism, which of course has crept into the church. Also dovetail off that and talk about, we have about five minutes left and talk about some of the weapons that we have at our disposal to fight this modernism and to be radical like Joe's describing. Well, I really think it does. Modernism is striking at sacred scripture. It's striking at revelation and saying, we can't really know it. Uh, it's culturally conditioned. It doesn't have truth for all the ages. Uh, it needs to be reinterpreted each new generation. And that's why I say the number one priority for us is recovering our confidence in sacred scripture, because that's where all the teaching of the church comes from. That, that's where our doctrine comes from. Uh, it, it's quoted a million times in the catechism. If we lose our confidence in the inspiration and errancy and intelligibility of sacred scripture, we're sunk. We're just going to be in a stew, making it up as we go along. So modernism talks about everything being so historically conditioned that there can't be truth for all the ages there. And that's just a lie, a heresy. And so that's why we really need to remember that the Catholic Church says everything asserted by the sacred authors should be considered to be served by the Holy Spirit and to teach faithfully, firmly, without error, those truths that God has given us for our salvation. So I'm just repeating something there, but I think that's that's the key. Modernism is going after Revelation saying, we can't really know who God is. We can't really know whose will is because we can't trust the sacred scripture. Jojo, we have time for maybe one more question. Just real quick, because this, this could be a whole show. Um, what do you think about Catholic education? You're a Catholic educator. You were closely, uh, you know, involved with uh, Father Michael Scanlon of Franciscan University. Uh, Joe and I went to Catholic schools, as you did. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, lacking uh, in some of these schools, and, and there's some schools that are doing it better than others, to be kind. What is the trajectory um, of Catholic education right now? And if you were to give advice to parents who were going to send their kids to a Catholic school, what would you say? look under the cover, you know, open the hood and look under the hood and see what's really there. Uh, a lot of people are trying to uh, attract people by saying we're, we're Catholic and uh, you got to really see whether that's the case or not. Uh, are there really devoted Catholic teachers there? Uh, is the Catholic principle really a witness to the faith? Uh, are they really teaching in harmony with what the church teaches? Uh, you know, and, and, there's a lot of Catholic schools that are Catholic pretty much a name only. They're, they're being looked upon as safer environments for being a prep school. And, you know, they, they've got the latest computers and they teach Chinese and Russian. They'll get your kid into a secular college. 
but the Catholic aspect is really subordinated or it's, it's mushy or it's wishy-washy. It's, uh, it's woke, you know, it's caved into these things. So there's some really good Catholic schools out there. There's Catholic schools trying to repent and reform from being like that and being more authentically Catholic. So you got you to look into it more, more deeply and not just because it has the label Catholic send your kids there. Although it's harder and harder to keep our kids in public schools at all. Public schools have become giant brainwashing reindoctrination camps where even little kids in preschool are now being prompted to be confused about their agenda. It's it's disgusting. I'm fostering, as yeah. Joe mentioned, I'm fostering a 12-year-old. Me and my wife are fostering a 12-year-old, and we should be adopting him sometime early next year. We love this kid. He goes to he does he came here believing in Jesus. I think he comes from a little bit more of an evangelical influence with his mm-hmm. you know family, whatever. Um, but nonetheless, he came here believing in Jesus. Okay. He comes home one day, not prompted by me. I wasn't being the big ugly ogre that the, a lot of the, the lefties in the in the school system want to make me out. He says, Papa. He goes, they, they offered me membership in the gay club today because he's still in public school. So he's oh, in yeah. school. So my wife and I are going to be moving. But long story short, I'm looking at Catholic school and private school because that's what it is. And he comes home and he, and, and he asked me about it. He goes, I don't want to be in that club. um but unfortunately uh dr martin because you know you know we're jersey guys all of us you know you you born in jersey so we could go on for hours we love having you on and we'll hopefully have you back on soon maybe on our social media show um but we want to thank you for joining us the book is a church in crisis pathways forward the author dr ralph martin you could get the book at renewal ministries you could also buy the book on amazon thank you very much dr ralph martin for joining us Okay. Thank you, Joe and Joe. Okay. All right. And thank you all out there for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, serving the Catholic faith and the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area, 1350 on your AM dial. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network radio mobile app so that you get access to all of our station's content, not just Frontline with Joe and Joe. And please like us, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff on Facebook, Facebook and YouTube where you see Joe and I. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation. And that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.